Crude Audacity Podcast. Crude Audacity Podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. As always, I'm your host, Catherine Mills. I'm a reservoir engineer with a focus on advanced characterization. Today, we will be talking regulatory changes, leadership, and of course, 2020. All from the perspective of the oil field's most important ingredient, land. And I've said it once, I will say it again, no land, no energy, period literally the most vital element in the oil field. Here to lay down the law of the land, James Hubert. Welcome to the Crude Audacity Podcast. Hey, Catherine. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks so much for joining. I'm thrilled to get your perspective today. You've been an entrepreneur. You've tackled land. You're seeing all of these changes and what they actually mean across the spectrum. So before we jump into it, can you please give us your story? Why oil and gas? How did you get started? And what's keeping you in the game? Well, you know, I uh, first of all, it's a, a pleasure to join you here. Thank you for thank you for having me. Um, you know, I, I like so many people just kind of stumbled into oil and gas and land, and uh, you know, land is there are certainly land management programs at a few schools around the country, but uh, for the most part, especially contract outsourced land, title examination, that kind of thing. This is not something anyone goes to school for. Exactly. Uh, so you kind of have to learn as you go along. It is a skill um, set. That's true, very much so. Uh, I was in uh, undergrad at Indiana University in uh, Bloomington, and uh, around 2004, I had a buddy whose dad was putting together coal bed methane projects uh, around the Indiana-Illinois border, and I had, uh, had the opportunity to help him out just doing some uh, kind of mindless administrative work you know you tell me what documents to go to the courthouse and copy <laughs> hey that's you know? how everyone gets started that's true isn't none it? of it makes yeah. sense until yeah. you go through the process that's exactly right uh you know i i would i'd type leases up for him you know i'd, I'd uh, uh, just do all kinds of odds and ends and and you know it was certainly interesting to me even um, the legal stuff uh interesting enough interesting to to kind of learn what the what the different clauses in the contract yeah meant, uh how those might potentially be modified for a particular uh, landowner, mineral owner that wanted to make certain changes. So he was working with a, a, a small EMP company out of Kentucky, and it was interesting to, to just kind of learn step by step what were the motivations of certain clauses, what were their, you know, what were their drivers, what could they work with, what were not, what were not changes they could make for certain land or geology related reasons. Mm-hmm. And so that was really great. Uh, you know, continued to kind of help him out when I went back to school. That's a uh, lot of really good exposure up front. It was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's that, that kind of speaks to a, a big problem with many disciplines, but especially in land present day, is that you know you could have somebody who went to school, got a PLM degree, went to work for a big company, and never did anything besides you know non managing non op assets. You mean theoretical for land? six or eight years? <laughs> yeah, right. And so. You know, they really don't have a global perspective on cradle to grave, what happens from the time that you identify the, the geology to acquiring the leases to producing the properties to sales, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I was certainly very fortunate uh, in that regard. Um, and so while 
while he while he's working on this these coal bed methane projects, uh, the New Albany shale starting to get more and more attention. You know, the price okay. of gas was at its highest, I think, historically. What, $12? Uh, uh, yep. Hell yeah. yeah. yeah 12 <laughs> if not more than that. So the New Albany Shale got a lot of attention from a lot of big companies, and that's that's in uh, Indiana, Illinois, and Kentucky. And so a uh, big lease play kicked off in those areas. Okay. Massive acquisition. The Kentucky land grab. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now I, was, I was working uh, about the center of southern Indiana, which was... Which was great for me because, uh, well, I guess I need to take a step back. I, I, I uh, the next summer had an opportunity to uh, go to work on a project that uh, for Samson Resources. Oh, cool! That was uh, being managed by a company called became Pertron eventually, but uh, a gentleman named Asa Bowers uh, was the project manager at, at Mason Dixon Energy okay. uh, at the time, and they were the broker that managed this asset for uh, for Samson. And I'm so fortunate to go from, you know, working like kind of a smaller operation with, with my buddy's dad to then working for somebody who was very thorough in everything they did. All, you know, every every I dotted, every T crossed, everything done exactly right. That's how uh, Asa Bowers ran this project. And just a tremendous guy to work for. Um, uh, learned so much there. Learned, learned such great practices, skill sets, you know, things that, that I continue to carry on then after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just ideal for me because this was uh, about, th- about 30 miles, between 30, my area was, was 30 to about 100 miles south of where I was in school in Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. And so couldn't have been easier. So, I'm, so I cut my course load down to three or four classes, two, three, four classes a semester. Uh, you know, I was making $235 a day and realized that I was just about on top of the world at that point for <laughs> being 22 years old. And, that's a know, lot of money for two, or 22. <laughs> yep, getting a biweekly check for $2,500. You know, and just thought, that's a semester. Know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thought, you know, where, where do I really go from here? Um, so I continued to work around Indiana and Illinois for, uh, for a number of years uh, and, until uh, about 2008 when gas bombed out. We, mm-hmm. we had that, that, that downturn and you know, went from crazy activity around the Illinois Basin to literally just nothing. I, I think that the, a lot of the drilling results indicated high levels of nitrogen uh, in the gas, and the, the expense of separating out that nitrogen was uh, uneconomical for, for all these companies. Okay. So, so I, the New uh, Albany kind of fell off the map then. It did, yep. You know, eventually a time came when, when there was just really nothing left to do. I uh, had an opportunity to go up to North Dakota. Oh. So I packed up and... It's another, do- <laughs> another big area. Oh, yeah, for sure, definitely. So I packed up, and my, my dog and I uh, traveled up to Minot, North Dakota, where uh, the client we were working for had prepaid on a uh, apartment complex that was being built because there was such a housing shortage. They worked with this developer to secure Damn. these 15 or 20 units in the, in the apartment complex. We don't see so that much anymore. No. No, no, no. So, uh, you know, and, and so another drastic change, very eye-opening. You know, I mean, you know, North Dakota's at that time was it was a huge land grab. Yeah. I did a lot of work in Montreal County, which was historically a a big producer, big vertical producer. I think that was kind of the core of of where the or the most attention at the time was on, on Bakken and Three Forks development. Okay. But I worked all over um, Northwest uh, North Dakota. Uh, worked in uh, Montreal, Burke, Divide, Williams. It, it evolved into I guess as the title abilities got a little bit easier, got easier to access courthouse documents. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, our client had digitized the entire courthouse, and so we could we could access all those documents from our that apartment. That is huge. 
but every once in a while, you know, you'd have one that that was poorly scanned or was missing or that kind of thing. But that was that was one particular uh, county. But then, you know, the other counties around there were all a, a variety of different uh, accessibility for documents, for resources, that kind of thing. And so, um, a lot of driving. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of driving, or, uh, you know, and, uh, but, you know, North Dakota is really Don't beautiful. Don't you wish you had podcasts then? I do. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yes. The guys I worked for were, were great. Uh, the, the team that I worked with was great. I was there until middle of 2010. I always kept my eye out for opportunities around Colorado. And so it was in, in uh, uh, mid to late 2010 that uh, an, uh, an opportunity presented itself down here to work for a small group. Um, and this was soon after uh, EOG hit the Jakewell, which really kicked off the Niobrara play. Yeah, um, it did. And this was when the, the courthouse congestion problems we were looking for solutions to. Okay. And so we actually had a group of about 10 title examiners working remotely. And we had probably another group of 10, 10 to 12. I guess both our remote group and our local group kind of fluctuated between 10 and 15 over the course of a couple of years. But, you know, what we determined is, okay, hey, look, it costs, you know, in excess of $6,000 per person per month to, to provide people with lodging and have them work out of, out of town, away from home, mm-hmm. right? So your trip home, your drive home, whatever it is, flight home, uh, you know, whatever hotel stays, Just additional meals. Just adding to that GNA, building it up. Right, right, right. You know, growing and growing and growing and growing. So, you know, when you've got 10 people on site, you know, you're spending $60,000 a month, you're spending $720,000 a year. Easily. That, you know, any of that you can mitigate definitely yep. would want to. So, But remember you know, at the time, that wasn't the way it had been done. No, that's true. That's true, definitely. And, and you know, I think I think that's something that you, know, you always hear in, I guess, as, as you're growing your career, no matter what the discipline is, is, well, that's not how things have been done. Well, that's the oil fields, like, Hidden, or most hated slogan. <laughs> that's that's the truth. That's the truth. It certainly is is a, you know, the most hated slogan for anybody who is progressive and who wants to Absolutely. solve problems and who wants to be more efficient and, and deliver better results for clients. And that was a very, you know, a, a great step, you know, in, in seeing okay, how can we use what what kind of servers can we use to mm-hmm. to keep our workflow going? So so simultaneously, I, I was kind of uh, I, I was starting to pursue land service contracts up here in Colorado. Yeah. And the Wattenberg field specifically had been you know, it's a very historic historically an old gas field. Oh yeah. And there had not been a lot of new acquisitions. There had not been there had not been a lot of uh, new leasing activity that kind of thing in quite some time. And so, you know, it was kind of it was kind of exploding with all these all these different companies, and, and it was tough to find good good landmen who were, who were lease buyers you know, okay. who had that kind of experience here. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd go to all of the the Denver Association of Petroleum Landmen events, you know, and I tried to meet as many people as possible. Meanwhile, I'm trying to to you know, better educate myself on how the in-house land exactly. world works, on how how EMP companies. Uh, you know, differ what their different priorities are, what different budgets look like, and what different solutions there are to achieving their goals. I guess, but uh, finally got got my foot in the door with uh, on a leasing project with with uh, with Anna Darko with a gentleman named uh, Dave Richardson, who was the uh, acquisition uh, landman for the Wattenberg Group at the time. Okay, and you know, I'll paraphrase. This isn't exactly what he said, but uh, it was along <laughs> the lines of, "If you will annoy landowners as much as you annoy me for work." then you have a job. Continue to pick up a variety of projects for Anadarko, a little bit outside of there uh, for other companies, slowly but surely. And then 2014 comes uh, along and... Gotta love it. <laughs> you know, we're just watching 
you know, just watching contracts get cut, projects get cut left and right. The contract land world is a massive, yeah, you know, massive yeah. amount of people. When we take into consideration the effects of changes in oil and gas world pricing, that kind of thing, we don't necessarily consider what happens with all these land contractors. And so, you know, if you, you think it's feast or famine for employees, for land, for, for contract land, either you have, either you need, either I need people and, and we have too much work to do, or we have too many good people and we don't have enough work to do. So high, high pits, low pits. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It was a rough 2015, 16, you know, I was kind of grasping on any projects that I could to, to yeah. hang on to the best of my, the best of my folks. That's called um, being resilient. <laughs> no, that's the truth. That's the truth, you know. And, and um, uh, you know, I, I've got a great group of people, a, a good handful of, w- of which are still with me today. And um, uh, they hung on with me through that through that time period. And, and uh, you know, we, we made our way out of it. But, you know, that was a very eye-opening thing to me that, mm-hmm. you know, I need to diversify. I need, I need to... Uh, pursue additional clients. I, yeah. I need, to, I need to, to broaden my spectrum of not only uh, clientele, but also um, uh, different assets to work. Mm-hmm. And I'm very fortunate to have a lot of a lot of opportunities to do work for uh, a wide variety of companies all yeah. over the Rockies. Really, I've, I've really been fortunate to work for some some tremendous clients, some really great people. You, you enjoy helping them achieve their goals. Yes. You know, enjoy helping them you know, reach, reach their level of success that they're looking for. Well, you bring and people along with you, so to speak. That's the, that's the truth. That's the truth. Right. You know, and I think that's probably one of the things that I enjoy the most when in, in, in the business world is helping people achieve their goals, helping mm-hmm. my clients achieve their goals, you know, helping my landman contractors, that kind of thing, uh, grow their skill sets, you know, to, to, uh, increase their value, not only to me and to my clients, but, yeah. you know, down the road personally, um, other, other potential opportunities that they'll have, uh, you know, in, in, and it's just fun to see a project come together. You know, it's fun to yeah. fun to go out and, and you know determine who owns the mineral rights in this area. Uh, you know, go pursue the leasehold. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, acquire those agreements. You know, then work with work with the client to um, uh, have uh, you know build your abstracts. Excuse me, have title opinions rendered, and then eventually um, uh, spud and, yeah. and then see the, the you know the, the um, all your uh, hard work pays off at that point. It, you know, it, it does. You know, and, and so many times in land, many times. You know, landmen are long gone from projects by the time it's drilled, and you know, many times there are leases taken that that are never that never get drilled. Yeah. Um, but I'm so fortunate to have you know a nice a wide variety of clientele that you can really see these see the project from cradle to grave. Exactly. You know, see, it, see it come to fruition and, and see somebody's success. And like I said, no land, no energy. So right. everything starts with land. It's literally our most important ingredient. Yep. Yeah. So. Very true. Very true. But so now you're here. What do you think so far? Your, I, your general perspective of the oil I'll tell you field. what. You know, I think in, in, in any day that you wake up and you think you know what's going to happen today, <laughs> boy, you're you're, you're going to get you're, you're going to be very surprised. I, I think I think the constant is that you know there will be change. Yes. You know, and I think adapt- that old adage, yeah, adaptability, I think is the most important thing in the oil and gas industry, but especially in the land in in land. You know, contract land and and in-house mm-hmm. employee land rules is that things are always going to change. You know, I feel like, you know, my, my limited understanding of, you know, the technical side of oil and gas, being, you know, engineering, geology, that kind of thing, is that, it, you know, there, there's kind of a progressive growth in technology, mm-hmm. right? We're kind of evolving rather than, you know, in land, unfortunately, we devolve sometimes. Um, <laughs> yes. You, know, I, I mentioned, you might have to give us an example of this because... I don't think a lot of people realize how backwards it can be sometimes with land. So, 
you know, when I first started my career, uh, uh, you know, this is about, like I said, about 2004, most courthouses, they just have, you know, uh, you know, thousands of books. Yes, yeah, stacks know, that of are, paper. Yep. Yeah, in order to access those documents, you have to go in and get, open up the grantor grantee books or a tract index in some states. You have to figure out what your book and page is, go pull that book out, make a copy of it. And so, uh, boy, it, it, it took an incredibly long time. Tedious. To provide title examination yeah. for clients. And, and did slowly. people just take their sweet time to, like, drag out their contract? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> did they ever. People need, they need oversight. They need, they need accountability. Yes. Even in the contract world. You know, because land, All land contracts, land assignments, they're kind of open-ended. You know, you, you may get an assignment, you know, in a section right next to mine, and it may take you three weeks to, to uh, determine mineral ownership. And mine may take me three days because it's been in the same family forever. Yes. Right. So, you know, there's there's a certain degree of trust you have to have in in people and, you know, in the people that you're hiring and you're sending out to work on these projects. But without a level of oversight, which is which is a perfectly possible thing, you know, you, you have to have some accountability there from the perspective of of the land services company or the broker that needs to be accountable to the client. You know, the I don't know can never be your answer. What's going on with this guy? Why is this taking so long? You can't say I don't know. Exactly. So you have to be on top of. You have to be on top of the, these kind of issues first, and and especially with with remote work is that you know we can track every day uh, how much progress somebody makes uh, on on their assignment. You know we have a we've got a great billing system, and I got to give a, a shout out to the guys in. Um, in Oklahoma City that run uh, Red Earth Systems, Jay Wade, because he just has a tremendous, very well-built um, uh, time entry system that, that is designed for land service companies, for brokers, to have multiple people log in, identify how much time that they spent on a particular prospect, what exactly kind mm-hmm. of work that they did, that kind of thing. And yeah. so, you know, my, my project managers daily can say, okay, you know, Catherine build seven hours to this project, you know, I can see what she did. I can see what her saved version of her work was on our server yesterday, and I can see what it is today. So true accountability. So true accountability, right? So we can really dig in. We can really drill down. And, yeah. you know, that's uh, obviously it's not, it, you know, it would be very um, uh, time-consuming to compare everybody day-to-day. But what it provides us is, A, people know that we can – Mm-hmm. Contractors know that we can do this. Exactly. You know, know that we can go back historically and say, you actually have quantitative you know, data that right. proves that your people are delivering. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, we, and we always give people the benefit of the doubt. But the truth is, you know, I think it's 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 just you can just about say that it's human nature to take advantage of opportunities or take advantage of a lack of oversight, take advantage of any amount of time or open ended time yeah. projects. And that is one that that landman is one that that is is making its way out of the industry and and yeah I, people I weed themselves out it happens that's the truth 100%. but going back to your point land is a is more of a skill set it's not something you just go to classes for you need that hands on experience and our industry tends to get rid of experience before because I mean experience costs money yep. so how are you making a difference in terms of keeping those with that skill set. In industry, well, you know, one thing that I experienced that, that really stood out to me is, you know, how people are treated in the contract world. It's easy—I shouldn't say it's easy—but it's it's not uncommon for um, you know land contractors to all of a sudden have a project cut. You know, all of a sudden, okay, yeah, we don't have any more work for you. Suddenly, oh, like the and, money gets nervous and pulls out. Yes, definitely. Okay. Or a project gets cut, you know, a client's project gets cut because budgets are realigned or they're or they don't feel like they're being as successful as they would like to be. 
But, you know, essentially I, I, I saw a lot of brokers, land service companies treating people just kind of like a commodity that, you know, they don't really, if, you know, if they need you tomorrow, that's great. If they don't ever need you or see you again, then, you know, good riddance. Yeah. And, and that doesn't really... It, it that just, doesn't fly well. Well, just because it's the contract world doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, or, or that you can't indicate to people that you value them, you know, that, that you're going to do everything that you can to keep them as busy as possible. You know, what I, I told so many people is, look, you know, you do good work for me and I will do the best to keep you as busy as possible for 100%. as long as possible. Yeah. And that's not, that is not, that's not the feeling that I, that I got. And it's not what I saw, you know, numerous times early in my career. And so, you know, I kind of started with that. Okay. How can you build a desire to, to do the best work they possibly can? You know, in, in, in an employee world, you know, they don't want to get fired. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't want to lose whatever this great job is. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, but that's truthfully, you know, an employee role isn't any more secure than a contract role. Well, the, um, the truth is, is everyone is a part of the team. If you were on that project, you were a part of the team. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Right. And, and so, you know, taking a little bit of time, you know, to, to appreciate people, to, to, you know, identify things that they've done that, that, that are great, that are big assets, you know, to me, to my projects, to my clients. I think that really goes a long way. But back to your question about, you know, capturing these this, the, these skill sets and this knowledge that is yeah. so valuable in land again, because you know in in you know in, in, in petroleum engineering, you can you can always go back and get the books that the students use. You know, yeah. That, that, uh, uh, books, different, books are wrong. Right. Di- well, <laughs> the, the, the different schools use. You know, you can kind of track that progressive uh, teaching and understanding of of a technical ability like you know like petroleum engineering, for yeah. example. But land that simply doesn't exist Mm-mm. and. That's why you know, I called it theoretical land from these uh, programs that you're seeing coming out of a few universities. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and you know, what, what's interesting to me is that in the majority of those programs, they spend very little time on field land work. Exactly. You know, I've, I've hired a couple guys out of those programs, and I've had a couple of my guys uh, that, that – um, uh, had had been at, at educations from in, in other disciplines mm-hmm. going go into the program. Western State University here in Colorado has a great program where I, I, I believe that the situation is if they if you have a business degree from another school in one year you can go to school there and you can get their uh, professional land, petroleum land resource management professional land resource in management one year degree in one year. That's right. a little quick. Right. Well, it, it's specifically land focused because they they don't require the business components of that person already has okay but what's interesting to me is that you know you know in talking to some of those guys you know say okay well what is your what's your field lane experience what's your title experience you mm-hmm. say well we went to the courthouse for a couple of days and pulled documents <laughs> you know i'm thinking well boy it's it's it goes a lot deeper than that and and you know i think that's that's something similar that you know in, in for example 2015 14 15 16 when when times were pretty tough and a lot of big companies were having layoffs yeah again it's back to what we were talking about before you know somebody's pigeonholed into managing non-op assets and they truly don't have any global land experience yes so global land experience it's a great way to put that so i you know i get resumes from people who had been at at a big company for you know five six seven years you know and say okay well what is your you know here's what we do you know we we, we run patent to present title you know we provide our clients with xyz reports Mm -hmm. you know what's your what is your experience with title examination what's your understanding of mineral title title conveyances that kind of thing and the answer I heard was, well, I know how to order documents from the county. And that does <laughs> I not... I mean, I don't mean to laugh. It's just you think that that would have been a little more 
thought through. And, you know, having this global understanding of land and, and all the different facets of land is, is where the value truly is. And so what I've, what I've tried very hard to do is develop relationships with, you know, as many people, for, you know, that, that are 60 plus, that have 30 or 40 years of experience in the oil and gas industry. The true titans. Who have done everything there is, everything that there is to do. You know, I've got guys that, that have, that have owned brokerage companies before. I've got guys that have been land managers, vice presidents of land, been title attorneys. Yeah. Um, you know, directors of land at, you know, at, at, you know, major companies. And, you know, they just have so much to offer, not only younger landmen, um, you know, who are coming into the business that, that don't have, again, you know, there's no way that you're going to learn title examination. You know, even, even attorneys, you, you don't learn mineral title oh, yeah. examination in law school. It's something you have to learn when you get out of law school. Yeah. Um, but having those people available, and you know, what's, what's really nice, too, is a lot of these people that are kind of retirement pre-retirement, post-retirement, uh, you know, they don't necessarily need full-time work. Yeah. They just like something to keep themselves busy, and they enjoy working with a good group of people that exactly. are anxious to learn and, and who are a good team helping foster the They're paying it forward team. to industry. That's huge. That's exactly right. And, you know, I think the other, you know, the other thing there is th- these are not um, – these are not people that are necessarily going to go get an employee job. You know, they're not going to get hired on at 65 as a, you know, as a land man, land manager. And they don't have to. Unless it's, right. You know, I'm more than happy to have them in the contract capacity. You know, I can certainly pay them enough that they're not tapping into their retirement Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, gives them something to do. I've got one great project manager uh, that I have, uh, uh, Dave Pageant, who was formerly director of land at, um, at Noble Energy. Uh, for quite a few years before retiring in, in 2014. You know, we, we met, we stayed in touch uh, after his retirement. You know, we'd, we'd talk every few months, and, and you know, finally, uh, I guess a year and a half, two years later, you know, he calls me and says, hey, I just want some land work to do. And yeah. He said, I always, I always just love being a land man. You know, so I kept, <laughs> I kept getting, you know, promoted and, and, and you know, moved up into management positions, uh, you know, for a lot of my career, but I just love being a land man. You know, do you have any, any land work? Yeah. He just to wanted do? to be busy. That's exactly right. And, Heck yeah. And, you know, I, I, I was able to team him up with a, uh, a small group of just a couple guys that are putting together a wildcat uh, prospect kind of out in the middle of nowhere here. And, and it's been such a great fit because, you know, he, Dave so enjoys working on this project, yeah. doing every facet of land on the project. And these guys couldn't have a better fit for them mm-hmm. because he has this history, this, you know, these decades and decades of history. And he says, okay, well, you know, at one time we had a complicated mineral owner in this situation. They wanted X, Y, Z in the lease, and we handled it like this. Yeah, and it's say, experience. Exactly, right. And so, you know, and they say, oh, perfect, all right, you know, you know let, let, let's try that. You know, he's got great relationships with, with seismic groups, you know, with, with the different state and, and federal entities and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, that, that's just a great example of tremendous capital, tremendous value in somebody's mm-hmm. experience that it, we're able to capture in the contract land world. And in a way, it's industry protecting industry. No, that, I mean, we're not so. losing skill sets. We're keeping people employed yeah. and we're making sure, or at least you and your team are making sure that there is an option for somebody who has that technicality that wants to pay it forward. Yep. I think that's awesome. We need more of that across, honestly, all disciplines in the oil field. Yep. There's just there's no replacing those those decades of experience. Well, how are those decades of experience? Because we are in the age of digital 
in the oil field, if you will. And nobody really knows what that means yet, but that is a huge game changer for mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. So how is the age of digital affecting some of the older guys that are out there? How are the young bucks stepping up? What What is working? What isn't working? Obviously, the generation gap is very existent in, in all facets of land, but but certainly so in, in contract land. And, you know, we've got people that are 25 to 35, 25 to 40 around there. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we've got a 15-year to almost 20-year gap. And then we've got a good handful of people that are late 50s, early 60s. And Do you think that's just because of the peaks and pits of industry? Oh, definitely. Okay. You know, those the, the younger people that grew up with the Microsoft Office suite, you know, that grew up <laughs> with, uh, you know, Gateway 2000s, you know, that had, you know, that, 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 that techni technology was an integral part of our, you know, of our youth and, and of our, certainly of our, our um uh, you know, college years, that kind of thing. And afterwards, you know, we, we kind of, we, you know, we do things that we don't, we don't even think twice about, you know, we, we have an understanding of how programs work, of how, you know, mm -hmm. how technology works across the board. And, and, you know, people that didn't grow up with that, you know, people that grew up with a, um, typewriter, uh, you know, typewriter, or <laughs> even like the IBM punch card, you know, computers, it's just not the same. They don't have the same, um, knowledge base and skill set, And so, what what we what I've been tremendously fortunate to do is, is have an equally great group of people on the younger side as as on the older side mm -hmm. that are hungry, they're anxious to learn, that know technology well, um, uh, and and that are great complements for some of these older some of these older folks, you know, who who they may not be able to build a spreadsheet in in I mean maybe not at all yeah maybe, maybe it's a three day task and what something we see else that in the field the all the time. Right. And so, you know, it, teaming up, you know, call it maybe a project manager or team lead or a project advisor, you know, who is 60 plus with somebody who is much younger, who can, you know, uh, uh, you know do all the data related um, uh, tasks, building the spreadsheets, you know, reporting to clients, that kind of thing has been a very successful, uh, very successful model. Um, you, you know, they're, they're, you know, I've I have 15 years of experience, and I mean, every every day there's something. You know, I'm learning something new every day. Yeah. There's something I, I realize I haven't seen before. You know, I'm to the point now where I don't think I feel like I don't know anything. You know, <laughs> I assume that I know nothing walking into a scenario, and maybe I have a little bit of maybe I have a little bit of background knowledge on whatever the, the situation is. But I think making any kind of assumptions is is uh, uh, kind of a fool's errand there. But um, well, our regulations are making it so difficult these days. I mean, everything is literally new. That is the truth. You know, a good example to that point is, you know, so this year we've got the, we have SB 181 in Colorado that is. That yeah, is, talk to know, us about this. Day. Basically, it just put a complete halt on oil and gas uh, operations in Colorado. Colorado um, was voted the least favorable place to do oil and gas work, even though this is an oil mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. That's correct. This time last year, third, third, fourth quarter last year, we had, I had over a hundred contractors working Colorado projects. And mm -hmm. a couple months ago I had almost none working in Colorado. And, you know, it's easy for, you know, our governor said, oh, you know, or, or, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, there won't be any jobs lost. There won't be, you know, there won't be a dramatic effect, you know, and then I think he, you know, his words to, to Dan Haley, um, uh, a couple months ago were, you know, it's silly to think that. I know he loves that, that word we don't silly. Care about <laughs> oil and gas, but you know, the truth is there are a hundred people that had contract land work and this is mm -hmm. just my company in Colorado. You know, yeah. there's, there you know, there are many others. 
they're out of work that have lost their jobs that have either had to travel out of state have had to leave the industry um, so many uh, layoffs are happening there most companies are trying to do them so privately right now just mm-hmm. because of the stigma yep 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 definitely definitely but you know I think to go back to the value of, of some of these guys that have guys and, you know, and women certainly that, that have uh, 30 or 40 years of experience, you know, we kind of talk to them about these, you know, these issues. Okay. We're having a, you know, regulatory upheaval, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, the answer got, well, you know, we had, we had, you know, redrafting of, of regulatory rules in 90, whatever. And it was the end of the world then, you know, and everybody thought jobs were over. And then, you know, a year or two later, everything was back to business again, back mm-hmm. to normal again. Then we, you know, same thing happened in, you know, whatever, early 2000s. And it was the end of the world, you know, and, and no one was ever <laughs> going to operate in Colorado again. And then everything kind of normalized a little bit. And, and you know, it's certainly tough to, it's certainly tough for, you know, if you're putting food on the table, you have bills to pay, that kind of thing. It's certainly tough to say, oh, well, everything will be okay in a year. You know, uh, yeah. Right. What am I going to do for next year? Because it's you know, the immediate my panic. Savings, you know, tap into my 401k, that kind of thing. And, and so, you know, uh, uh, objectively, it's not, you know, you can say, okay, everything's going to be all right. I'll be back normal soon enough. But on a personal level, that's not something that, you know, people can, can survive with. It's not no. something that people can, 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 uh, uh, can, can, can digest and, and just keep going on about their business. So, um, well, but, Colorado is going to be, I mean, in your opinion, having the land perspective, what is Colorado's take on this 181? What does it mean for the rest of the lower 48? Because we're a sounding board. Definitely. Do we need they to be prepared are. for worse? Uh, I, I think that what we're, seeing, what, we're, what we're seeing in Colorado right now is already trickling into New Mexico. Definitely ah, is. I knew it was and, coming. And I think that no matter where you operate, if you are not prepared for um, – dramatic regulatory changes much much more much more oversight you know not only not only um uh you know due to to climate reasons you know the public's concern about what goes on at at oil and gas uh well sites not only you know not to mention how those hydrocarbons are are later Mm -hmm. used down the road um but i i think that that what what is going to happen in Colorado? I think will probably be adopted by many other states at some point over in the next five to ten years. Well, heaven help us! But like, look at what's happening in Adams County. I mean, you need offsets for drilling offsets. I'm sorry, but geology and land don't like surface land. I guess doesn't always line up. So no, that's the truth. That's so the how's truth. it affecting your team when it comes to having to pick locations? Well, you know, I think. Um, and, and fundamentally, the problem is is that you know there there has been uh, little little control over and, and little thought about mineral development as subdivisions have been built. You know yes. we've got you know that there there's a, a you know huge huge urban sprawl in, in the front on the front range of Colorado, and it seems like the development is always in the best rock. You know, it seems like the further, you know, the further west you go. If we had their kind of accuracy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Right. The fundamental problem of, you know, putting homeowners here on top of oil and gas fields. uh, You know, I think that our, you know, our legislators, you know, the leaders of municipalities uh, have really failed to um, uh, address this. And, 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 you know, oil and gas revenue is a tremendous source of revenue for the the state of Colorado. hundred percent. Huge. And. You know, the fact that there has been so little concern for how could you not see that this was going to become a huge problem that we have and we continue to, you know, a, a 
allow big subdivisions to be built, have, you know, more and more and more development. Meanwhile, there's oil and gas operations there. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I guess long it's answer to a short question, <laughs> but, you know, the, um, uh, I think that we're going to continue to have um, uh, you know, a, a lot of problems, but you know, I think we have to look at the companies, take extraction, oil and gas, they're a great example, uh, take SRC, um, that is, is now being acquired by PDC, but PDC as well, um, uh, uh, Conoco uh, was another one, these, these companies that have gone to the municipalities, rather than waiting around to see what the rules are going to look like, yeah, these proactive. companies that have been proactive and gone to the municipality and say, hey, you know, Here's what we would like to do. We would like to work with you. We don't want to have regulatory uncertainty. We don't, and we don't want you to have uncertainty as far as, you know, you're going to see 100 permits pop up under subdivisions where 100,000 people live. Exactly. You know? and, and so I think that that's, that's a big solution. You know, I think the rules are going to continue to come. Um, no doubt about that. They're going to continue to be more restrictive. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of people that we have that are making these rules don't have any experience doing this yep. and, and, you know, are, are motivated by um, factors that might not be <laughs> in the best interest of all of the people. You said that a lot nicer than I would. But you know what's funny is that I know you watch all the states pretty closely, especially out here in the West. Colorado, you can't get a permit to save your life right now. There's right. like an unspoken moratorium. Wyoming, though, is basically the great land grab. So what are you seeing in terms of these two case studies, these differences between states? And is Wyoming jacking themselves up in a whole different way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and I've done a lot of work over, I guess, it, what's, what's a great, great parallel to draw is um, the Colorado-Wyoming border, which is uh, kind of the northern DJ asset. You know, you, you step over that imaginary line, and, I mean, the people in Wyoming, they're they're waiting at the front door. It's on. You, <laughs> waving you down. They got a beer in their hand. They, you know, the supper's on, and they're gonna be, they're looking forward to seeing you. Exactly. And they're so welcoming. That's the truth. Oh yeah, I, I I love working with Wyoming people. Always, always do. Um, you know, but in Colorado, this this uh, tremendous fear mongering over you know, especially especially the the, the bad word, especially over fracking. People you know, love an uneducated headline. Let me tell you. You know, in. in We've we have executed so many leases for clients in subdivisions, you know. So so I guess it's important to understand is that in some cases, you know, whatever Grandpa owns the farm, he sells it off to a developer, and they're going to go build you know 500 houses in yeah. your in your quarter section. Um, now, did he retain those mineral rights, and do or did Hopefully. all those mineral rights pass to all the subdivision lot owners? Yeah, probably. Now, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's there's it's it's not a not a concrete rule, but you know, once developers started realizing how much value there was in the minerals, if the you know, let's call it the farmer or, or rancher or whatever that sold them the land, if he didn't retain the mineral rights, then the developers retained the mineral rights at a certain point. But we still have many subdivisions in Colorado where all the minerals passed to the individual lot owners. Yeah. And, you know, there have been many, many wells drilled, you know, into, you know, Colorado, you know, I think you, you look at like um, Dallas, Fort Worth area and Barnett Shale, mm -hmm. you know, you had, you know, you, you had thousands of wells drilled in you know, the same way up here uh, that were under, under subdivisions, under people's houses where they, where those people didn't own the minerals and they had no idea it's going on. Mm -mm. Right. But, but then they realize they're not getting paid for those minerals and all of a sudden there's an opinion. Well, it, very true. Yes, yes. I think it, I think more than the lack of payment because these aren't 
huge payments. Mm-mm. You know, you own, I mean, a big subdivision lot is a quarter of an acre. You're not going to make, you're not paying your mortgage payment. No, 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 no. But, not that huge, no. <laughs> but all of a sudden when, when you introduce, uh, you know, the idea to these people that they own their mineral rights, all of a sudden, you know, all of this kind of fear sets in of what's, you know, what is this fracking thing we keep hearing about? You know, what is, I mean, I, you know, we, like I said, we've what leased, is a mineral? Well, yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, we, you know, we've leased thousands of, of um, individual subdivision lots for our clients. And I mean, you know, we hear, you, you just hear the craziest things from people. Uh, thanks to the tremendous journalist that is Josh Fox and uh, the movie Gasland, where you know you have this guy who is on a well who is lighting his sink on fire because he has methane coming out of his well water, you know. Which I mean, boy, crown him as the idiot of the year. But, but you know, people. But he's see had that. that title for about a decade oh, now. Boy, that's the truth. We'll call it. Yep, call it idiot of the of the of the twenty first century. Um, but you know, people see things like that and they don't understand why. Exactly. You know, they, that, you know that guy is. He lives in the same county they live in. How is, is their water going to be? Is there going to be gas coming out of their water? There are places too? out in California by the beach that you can go do the same thing. Of course there are. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? I mean, yeah, you know, there are, there are instances of that all over the world, you know, of, of gas migration. And, um, uh, you know, but, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, we're dealing with these people and, you know, maybe they don't have any, any, um, uh, prejudice towards oil and gas in advance, but they've heard all these crazy yes. things. And so, you know, when, when I or, or, or my lease buyers would go out and we're dealing with these people, you know, when, when you start to see that somebody is kind of going down this path of, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen, I've heard all these crazy stories, exactly. you know, whatever. The first thing, you know, that, that, that we always try to do is, is, for, is sympathize with them. You know, look, if somebody, if, if I own minerals here, if I lived in your subdivision, somebody wanted to come in here and drill and operate, and I had heard all these crazy things, I would be very concerned. Mm-hmm. I would definitely, you know, that, you know we, we live in Colorado. We want it to stay beautiful. You mm-hmm. know, we don't want water poison. We don't want, you know, you know, all these terrible things you hear about fracking. You know, so would you just give us some time to, to, to educate you and, exactly. and, and help you understand what, what we understand? And honestly, a proactive homeowner who has heard all of this rhetoric and ha- at, like is smart enough to ask questions, those people are going to make the difference right. for the oil industry. And I will say I've heard that you and your team do such a good job of treating that listening process as an activity and not a passive event. You're actually listening to what they're a- asking. You're helping them understand. And I think that's what sets you and your team apart from a lot of the negative sides of land management that's very true very true you know you you uh, you don't really hear it so much anymore but you know the old saying was always well we'll just force pool you you know you don't oh know yeah hear those. that still if you're we'll, not careful we'll just force pool you right and you know what those those people a there's not gonna be a place for them soon if there there really shouldn't be already but that's just not a way that you go about i mean you know these people are going to essentially be partners in your and you're well with you. You know, they're going to be your royalty owners for years. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to start off a relationship like threatening with them somebody? hating you? <laughs> exactly, right? And it's just not necessary. Now, granted, there is, you know, the, there's a percentage, you know, 2% of people are never going to be happy. They're always going to. 100%. Wh- whether or not it's a personal thing, they need to be the loudest person in the neighborhood to get to get some extra attention. Yeah. Or whether or not they're just determined to believe that all these terrible mm-hmm. things come from, from fracking and oil and gas development. You know, I, I think... It, in Colorado, we've been battling this every two years, every election cycle. You know, and I, I have to certainly applaud the intelligence of of the people in Colorado because 
you know, all of these things that we were told, you know, in 2012, for example, that was when things were really bad. 2012, 2014, things were really bad in those election cycles. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of outside money was coming in to, and, and there was a lot of promoting, um, a lot of fear mongering. The you know, keep it in the ground people. Oh yeah. They definitely. really love those years. Yeah, you're right. Well, you, you know, I mean, these aren't people who own property in Colorado where this money is coming from. They don't have interest in Colorado. You know, their, their goal is to shut down oil and gas activity. hundred percent. You can imagine, usually those are not people that have worked for any of the money that they have. You know, these are trust fund babies. That, oh snap. You nailed yeah. it. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> Entitled non uh, the entitled unemployed (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah, boy that's a great way to put it yes entitled and unemployed but to your point what you were saying earlier wyoming isn't experiencing this however they are getting themselves in kind of a pickle and it was a 2018 sort of initiative that got them in this pickle so what is happening because a lot of these places are never going to be drilled yet their permits left and right well so you know i guess in, in what the repercussions of wyoming's um uh, permitting statutes became is that eventually what was you know what was a, the, the great land grab all over the country you know now in Wyoming for example was turned into the great permitting grab and you know so so that, that can be the title of this episode that's yeah that, that could be yep 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 uh, but you know you have uh, this this massive spike in permits in Wyoming in the last five years and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the state of Wyoming was so far behind on what 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 was available, what what technological opportunities were available to oil and gas developers, right? So, so really the, behind on the digital age, so to speak. Well, definitely, and just as, just as far as what was coming, what kind of technology oh, okay. was coming, you know, oh. right? So you you have you know you, in some areas in Wyoming, you know you have four or five producing zones, and if you're gonna if you're gonna put down ten horizontals mm-hmm. in every one of those zones, you can have fifty. Oh, you, you know, can wine rack the shit out of that. What what it evolved to, and you know, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, Jared Kubat, who is the uh, uh, executive vice president of of Wold Energy Partners, who's a, a great, uh, good good friend, former former client. Um, he put on a great presentation at the at the uh, DAPL Fall Land Institute, kind of discussing the progress in in um, uh, Wyoming lately, and, and you know, he pointed out that. In Colorado, in 2018, there were about 9,500 uh, permits. In Colorado, uh, 9,500. 9,500 permits filed in 2019. Uh, I'm sorry, 18. Uh, you know, in, in contrast, New Mexico, I think, was somewhere around 2,300. Well, they hadn't really figured it out yet. No, that's right. That's right. And, and you know, I think, obviously, we've seen... Now they know, figured it out. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie and Lee counties have blown up you know, yeah. in, the last, in the last 18 months. Hashtag Delaware. Right, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, in Texas even, Texas was 13,300 permits. In Wyoming, in 2018, there were 22,791 permits. Damn. And, you know... It, what what was happening is you had all these you had all these small groups come in and you know in order to file a permit all you had to do was have some amount of working interest. So if you're if you want to permit a 1280, you might you may only need one net mineral acre mm-hmm. you know, to to permit that to permit that uh, that that unit and you could permit you know uh, complete you know uh, full well density or uh, on on every different formation. Yeah. And so what evolved was you had many companies and coming in or many companies, groups, individuals, whatever you want to call it, coming in and taking advantage of, of these lax rules and, you know, thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to go get one net mineral acre under this asset where I see that, 
you know, Devin owns, Chesapeake Energy yeah. owns. I'm going to go permit all of these. I'm going to hold these permits for two years, <laughs> and then I can renew them perpetually. Yeah. Right. So eventually, you know, this big operator is going to come along to me, and they're going to say, hey, you know, we want to buy these permits from you. So, you know, I'll sell them my one net mineral acre and then this permit. And, and what it did was, you know, really um, uh, uh, stymied any development growth in Wyoming because, you know, all these people are kind of holding on, waiting and saying, okay, you know, yeah, you know, Devin and Anschutz, they're going to come buy these permits from me. Yeah. I'm just going to keep holding these. So what you had was, you know, many, many uh, entities, individuals, companies, whatever, that, that uh, had no intention of drilling and were just holding these permits. So uh, that's, you know, five years ago, I would have said, it undoubtedly, Powder River Basin is going to be going crazy in a couple of years. Just going well, crazy. Isn't it funny that everyone's got their eye on Texas, but this underappreciated, uh, sure and steady Powder mm-hmm. River Basin is mm-hmm. actually the hot topic. <laughs> you know, and that's really the truth. And I think that's where we'll see uh, the majority of money in the Rockies migrate to in the coming years is, is opportunities in Powder River Basin. But... Go buy a house in Wyoming, y'all. Because it was so easy to to um, secure permits and hold, you know, limit any, everyone else's ability to operate yeah. these lands. That was, you know, you know, magnified all over the state of Wyoming. Yeah. And so, you know, they're in the process of of uh, making uh, uh, making changes to the rules, new regulatory framework that we should find out about in early um, in early twenty twenty, I believe. But you know, that's going to be another big game changer for for Wyoming in general. Well, let's talk about game changers in terms of Colorado and Wyoming, because we've got two extremes, both bad in their own way, both good in their own way. Maybe Colorado's not really all that great, but how did these two case studies, what can other states take from them? What can regulatory take from them? What can we be on the lookout for in terms of the crazy headlines in Colorado? Well, I, you know, I think like like we discussed, I, I think that it, tighter regulations as far as operations go, and we're mm-hmm. talking about two different things, right? We're talking about regulate, regulating operations, then we're talking about permitting, right? True. Permitting and, and drilling. You know, I, I, like I said, I, you know, I think that no matter where you are in the country, I think you 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 have to expect that you know more complicated regulations, tighter restrictions are are coming. Yeah, uh, Colorado is just. We're just at the beginning of it. You know, we're just, we're just. Oh, it's going to get so bad. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with that. You know, I think it will be a, a, a variety of, a variety of bad, I guess, mm-hmm. state to state. But, um, you know, eventually it, it, it's, it's going to happen. But as far as like, you know, the regulatory framework in, in Wyoming, I think there's going to be great opportunities for other states that have, that could put, run into the same problem to look at what Wyoming is doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to refer back to of course. Uh, some of Jared's presentation here. But what it looks like that they are uh, going to do is, is, you know, require that you prove that, you know, you intend to drill. Okay. Exactly. Is this on your drilling schedule? Have you ever drilled a well before? Do you, you have know? a drilling schedule? Yeah, right, right, right. You know, yeah, what is your what is your technical ability? What's your experience? Um, you know, what's your working interest in the area? And and you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens to some of these groups that have have had a business model based around a a land a land grab permit land yeah. grab. Uh, you know, I think there there probably will be some people that, that end up um, uh, finding themselves with spending a lot of money that, that, that will have been wasted mm-hmm. because of, you know, a disingenuous approach to, you know, 
oil and gas operations. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's going to be more difficult to get permits, um, uh, and and I think the opportunity to protest other people's permits though will have more. Uh, will be given more more weight. Yeah. You know, you, know you, you, you as the commissioner are going to be able to say, well, look, you, you've been holding this permit for, you you know, you've renewed this permit twice, three times. Now you've had it for six years. Exactly. What are you doing? What are you, you doing? Know, right. And, and then what are you jacking up? You know, EOG can be there at the, you know, at the hearing and say, look, we've drilled here, 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 all around mm-hmm. here. You know, we're, we're an active operator. We're a successful operator. You know, we want this permit. Exactly. You know, you know, Wyoming, why, you know, what, what good is it doing you? What good is it doing mineral owners, royalty owners, the state, the federal government to, to let this company keep this permit? It's and called I, business planning. That's all it is. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, I think there will be opportunities for, I think there'll be, I think there'll be more opportunities for operators to come into Wyoming for the for operators that are not already in Wyoming because they're going to eliminate these, you know, these, these groups that are simply holding permits and holding up operations. That's a really good point. That might be the next place to sort of, after we come out of this pivot, that's going to be the highlight of, you know, the oil industry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who, from all your work across states, who does do it right? Is there a bottle citizen out there yet? Or has everybody got bits and pieces and just haven't put the patchwork together? Gosh, you know, I, I think I, I think that the companies that are in tune with local the, the, the local environment, whether whether or not it's it's um, it's harder to do than you think it is. I mean, oh, definitely, right, right. You know, I mean, you look at Wattenberg, for example. You know, you cross the imaginary line from Weld County to Adams County, Weld County to Boulder County, you know, whatever. And, and a you mean the job Ground is, Zero War Zone? Oh boy, that's the truth. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So, you know, I oh think my that God. The, I think that the companies that are you know in the, in the landmen that are truly in tune with every facet of their asset are, are have been surviving and are going to continue to survive. And I think the companies that come in and think, well. This is how we did things in Oklahoma, so surely this is going to work here. Nope, I land here is, is not land there, and I think that's one of the best things you taught me is you cannot look at land and it could be twenty miles away. Land here is not land there. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, you, you, you any kind of different encumbrances, um, uh, developments, you know, that kind of thing. It, Sage is, grouse is sure <laughs> right, right, right. You know, yeah, you know, whatever kind of. Uh, um, you know, natural natural restrictions uh, is just drastically drastically different. So, um, uh, you know, and also I think kind of companies that are that are financially stressed, it seems like don't have the opportunity to take the time to do things the right way. Zombie Those are the companies. same companies that are you know that are that are completing a well and and you know opening up the. You know, opening up full full flow on you know and, and you know no choke whatsoever. IP ninety baby. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you know, in your world, and you know, in, in the uh, EOR world, I think what's you know when we come back to these, some of these formations and these these wells, you know, I know that EOG, for example, is having great success down in in Eagle Fort with mm-hmm. some with some. Uh, EOR. Well, they're testing some stuff. Yeah. Right. We're gonna we're gonna see what comes out of that. Well, it, you know, it's, but I think that some of these companies that have not been careful with their assets. Um, and, and, you know, have tried to, you know, nail the biggest IP possible. I think that's going to be, you know, those are the same people probably that aren't truly engaged in the local affairs. In all honesty, it's jacking it up for everyone from land to geo and beyond. It's mm-hmm. just becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, from your leadership perspective, because you really, you saw an opportunity, you saw it done, you were able to replicate it and move forward. 
from the land management side, what are the positive and negatives of, you know, different leadership examples? What are you seeing works? What can someone take away from you? It, even, you know, these younger land guys, um, men and women, guys wrapped up into everything. But, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? What, what's the good, the bad, the better? No, I, I think it, it, my answer to that is not limited to land. You know, it, it is how you appreciate your people, how you motivate your people. You know, you, you, you've... Bring it all back to personnel. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, people, when you have somebody who wants to do good work, who, you know, wakes up in the morning, you know, they want to get a lot done today. They want to achieve a lot. They want to deliver good results. You know, that takes a good manager to motivate those kind of people. It takes mm-hmm. a good manager, you know, to... And, and you know, truthfully, it doesn't take that much. Doesn't take that much extra time to just say, "Hey, you know, hey, how's your day been? You know, hey, how are you today? How was your weekend? You know, hope you're doing well. Hope the holiday season's going well for you." Exactly. You know that kind of thing. And, and I think that you know we we have so much, um, uh, such a lack of interpersonal communication. You know, in the in the email, you know, texting world, <laughs> you know, whatever that that you. Not th- enough think, emojis. <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, you know, I think people kind of default to a negative interpretation of things. Oh, right? yeah. You get a call from your project manager, you know, your manager, your CEO, president, whatever, you know, you're thinking, oh, no, what's, you know, what's, what's, what's wrong? You know, what have I, what have I done wrong? You know, it's, if, you know, if my first question to somebody is, you know, what's going on with this, you know, with, with, you know, this, this tract in, you know, section 36 over here, what, you know, what, what is our issue here? You know, then I think that kind of, then people are kind of on the defense, you know, defensive, you know, and, and then thinking, okay, what did I do wrong here? You know, how can I, you know, whatever, just nervous all the time. I think, I think, you know, a, <laughs> if you're nervous all the time, you might have a reason to be well, Jesus. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think a, you know, compa- compassionate, uh, individuals in, in management roles make a huge difference. You communication, know, communication, communication. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Right. I, you know, I, I've, I've worked for clients that have, you know, you walk in their office and, you know, it's a toxic work environment because, you know, you've got some, you know, you've got your president, CEO, manager, whatever that yells at people, you know, and it's always, people are always scared. Right? Yeah. You know, you think you're going to get any kind of good product productivity out of those people. No. Nothing compared to, you know, if you, you know, take take a minute to, you know, t- take a personal uh, investment, you know, in those people, you know, hey, you know, how's your, how's your wife, you know, how's your, how's your son, how's school going, you know, exactly, kind of um, you know, it, it just it, it, it spans all businesses, it spans all of life, you know, is how you treat people and how how you show your appreciation to people, but, um, uh, you know, I think especially kind of in our in our constantly revolving door of contract landmen. Many people come from, you know, other companies, other scenarios where they just don't feel like they were ever valued. You know, they don't feel like there was ever a positive relationship built or any relationship built at all outside. So they really didn't have a reason to get up and come to work other than the paycheck. That's really unfortunate. No, that's the truth. That's truth. You know, but, but it's, and it's not, it's not, um, you know, strictly part of the contract world. Again, it's, it's, um, you know, that, that's, that, that permeates, I think all, all facets of business. Um, well, it's so. also the breakdown from field to firm, lack of communication. You think our field guys think that they're undervalued or just don't have a voice at the table when really they are the leading voice. Right, 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 right. Yep. Yep. And, and, and you know, then you have people that are scared to speak up. You're, you don't foster new ideas. You know, you don't you don't foster, um, uh, you know, the, the development of um uh, of of I think advances and you know that there you know we read so much about 
what are the what are the latest technological advances in oil and gas? You know, what's yeah. being automated now, that kind of thing. And and I think that's people are always afraid. You know, like what's you know who's what kind of what kind of AI is coming to take my job? Exactly. From well, that was going to be one of my questions to you: is the fear and the sort of the regression that we see that happens in land? Is it an AI thing where people think they're going to lose their jobs because people aren't communicating properly about the advancements that could come with it? Well, you know, I, I think one thing that we have. One thing that that is provides some security in the land world is, you know, I you think can't learn it in school. <laughs> you can't learn it in school, and I think we are very far away from developing some kind of AI that can read these old cursive handwritten documents that oh, are, yeah. you know, on like parchment paper that you know you you uh, it's difficult to decipher, you know, or, or you've got even scanned documents from these old from the old versions of these yep. documents that are grainy or they're bad scans or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't think, I think there's a lot of security in the fact that, you know, your you, title examination and understanding how mineral title transfers work and in, in chains of mineral title and the different kinds of ownership, mm-hmm. you can't teach that to a computer. You can't teach that to a program. No. Um, you know, you, you have all these different interest segments. I mean, go back to Wyoming, for example. You know, you could have in one particular tract, if you have, you know, four different depth severances, mm-hmm. you know, you might have, you know, 10 working interest owners per tract. You may have, you know, 20 mineral, I'm, I'm sorry, per, per uh, depth severance. Okay. You know, you might have 20 different mineral owners in each one of those depth severances. And, and, you know, by the time it's all said and done, you may have, you know, in excess of 100 to 300 different kinds of interest segments there. And breaking those down and understanding how all that works, I just, it it is almost unfathomable for for me to imagine. (laughs) What you just said is so overwhelming to think about how detailed it gets. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. You know, know, all these different interests that, that, you know, are are valued and accounted for differently. you know, so I think that's I think that's a positive thing in in the contract land world and land in in and you know land across the board. Um, you know, we, we will continue to see um, I think developments in in uh, accessibility. You know, when I again, you know, when I when I first started my career, rarely did you find a a county that had records online, mm-hmm. and they're becoming more and more common now. You know, especially the the you know the, the hottest counties to work in. When I first came to Colorado and, you know, to, to get your documents in Weld County, they had two offices and you'd go just go there and wait in line and you'd get your microfilm tapes and you'd sit there and print off your documents for sometimes days. It took to print off your documents. <laughs> Job security. And, well, and then, then Weld County went online. And then so from the, you know, from patent to all the way through to present, you can research and you can obtain the documents for yeah. everything that, that, that's happened in Weld County, everything that's been recorded. Um, Which is pretty cool if you think about it. Definitely is, definitely is, and and you know that, I think that kind of takes me into another great development that we've had internally here at, at Discovery is that um, uh, the ability to access that information uh, is 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 a challenge, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know that the you know the county has all of this data. They have you know hundreds of thousands, millions of documents probably. And they have, yeah. you know, they, they have uh, data tied to those documents. It is the grantor, grantee, document type. All these things are typed in when a document is recorded. You know, we think, okay, how can we, how can we acquire as much of that? How can we pull in as much of that information as possible for our particular track that we're working on? And um, I have to give my, certainly give my brother, uh, Jack, a, a lot of credit here. He, he graduated <laughs> from... Um, 
uh, master's in information systems from Indiana University uh, about three years ago here. And, and, and throughout college, he kind of helped me out, you know, kind of odds and ends, preparing run sheets, preparing documents, preparing abstracts for clients. Yeah. So what, what we've been able to develop is proprietary programs that uh, can go in and, and pull all this information from the county systems. Do you know how valuable that is from multi-billion dollar deals down to like mom and pops who are just looking for mineral interest? Like that that is a game changer across the board. And I have to say not many land shops are able to offer that right it's so, still a very old school system if you're not careful well you know we're always limited by whatever resources are are available at the county right so if a county is only online from 1990 to the present then you know we're limited there we still have to send people into the county to acquire those documents prior to that but you know it, it's no longer the model of okay we need to send 10 guys up to bighorn bighorn basin in <laughs> in northwest wyoming uh, and, and, you know, have them work in the courthouse. Now we send two guys up there yeah. and they spend all their time copying documents. They scan them and they upload them to our server. And then we can have 20 people working remotely that those guys are supported by. But kind of back to what we're, what we're able to do with, with, um, uh, courthouse data, you, you know, we can, for example, you know, we go to the abstract company title plans, you know, we determine, okay, there, there are these, these thousand documents, 1000 documents that make up this abstract. Yeah. So the program that we developed, we can, we can feed this program, these 1,000 reception numbers for these documents, and then it will go into the county system, and it will automate downloading all of this information. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what, what would have taken weeks in, in months, the past months. to... Cer- cer- certainly, certainly. I mean, I can give you one great example. We had, <clears throat> we had a client working in a uh, subdivision in, in, uh, in, in Weld County, and in an 80-acre subdivision, there were 40,000 documents. Oh, my God. 40,000 documents, and that's just the subdivision. That's yeah. not the lands prior to the, sub, the, the inception of the subdivision. Just the subdivision alone. <laughs> oh, my and, God. And the minerals passed to those people. So we had to follow out, and, and for the purposes of the attorney rendering the title opinion, we had to get everything. You know, we have to capture everything. We have to provide it all to the attorney. And we would have needed a small army to go in and um, – uh, and, and build out run sheets and abstracts for all this if we're, if we're doing it all manually. Right? Yeah, and, and that still would have like taken that. forever. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, um, you know, what would have taken months and and quite a few people, then you know now takes a couple of weeks because we you know we still have to do a pretty a pretty um, uh, heavy quality control, but uh, being able to automate all of this. So so basically we you know we feed this. You know, we, we have a. a um, an Excel-based run sheet template. Okay, so and, it's usable. It's user-friendly. Oh then. yeah, definitely, definitely. And so the so so the, the programs will go in and and they will you know they'll open up this reception number in the county system. They'll download the grantor information, grantee information, document type, the recording date, and mm-hmm. then they'll download and hyperlink the documents in some in some cases too. So you know we're able to deliver in in a fraction of the amount of time in a fraction of the cost. And we figured that we can deliver in about 20% of the time that it would take to do this stuff, to do this manually. Game and, changer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and for about 60% of the cost, if not, if not less than that. But, you know, we've had clients that, you know, come to us and say, Hey, you know, we, we, uh, we, we need to get an abstract update to our attorney where we forgot about this one slipped through the cracks. <laughs> You know, can you update this for us? We've I bet that happens more than you think, or yeah. more often than people think. <laughs> you know, that's it, it's the truth. It's the truth. But but we have um, 
uh, you know, we've been able to deliver, you know, three, four, five year abstract updates to clients in 24 hours. That's awesome. With all the documents hyperlinked. And so, um, uh, you know, I think that's, that is, I think that that's a tremendous benefit that we can provide to our clients. Um, uh, and, you know, that, that also gives our title examiners a great starting point. Yeah. You know, if you've got, and especially if, you know, if we talk in terms of, of some of these folks that are 60 plus years old that don't know technology very well, mm-hmm. if you give them a stack of documents and say, start, you know, type out a run sheet here, man, some may just say, no, thanks. I'll, <laughs> I'll pass on this. I would say that. And I'm not, I yeah, haven't that, been in the industry that the long. I feel like, are you kidding? <laughs> So, you know, we're, whether or not we're building uh, abstracts for, for uh, clients that are going to go to an attorney for a title opinion or whether or not we're doing the title examination ourselves, being able to have this advantage where we can obtain all of our resources within a matter of days for some of these kinds of things. You know, and, and, and you know, I guess a, 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 another good example is, you know, we're, we're, we're working on a very large-scale due diligence project right now, um, and... You know, you, you if you're looking at a hundred plus thousand acres, and you need and you have 45 days, gosh, you know, let alone like 30. You know, you have to process all of this information. Not only you know doing the job, doing the title examination, mm-hmm. updating this ownership is one thing. I mean, that's going to take a couple weeks in itself. Yeah. But actually obtaining the the data, obtaining the documents, obtaining that information, if that is you know, your speed bump, if that is what's really holding things up for you, you're going to have a very difficult time delivering to your client. You won't make it. It's not even a matter of delivering and being difficult. You won't hit it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, so, so this applies to a lot of the kind of the the back, the backdoor systems that different counties use in their recorders, Mm -hmm. websites, the recorders networks, you know, but we can do similar things with, um, with, with, uh, state permitting websites. You know, it's really incredible what, what uh, what kind of advances you know programming in general can do you know I'm very curious about all this because everyone is saying well the money is ho- hovering the money is hesitant they're all waiting for what's coming in Q1 mm-hmm. Q2 because we are in the age of consolidation so for that I don't I honestly I don't think the money is hesitant I think the money is being very uh, strategic vultures mm-hmm. right now so to mm-hmm. speak so how does this opportunity Play, or how do what y'all do here at Discovery Land play into what's about to happen? What opportunities do they give for this new flush of capital? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think uh, timeliness is going to be huge. Uh, accuracy is going to be huge. You know, people make mistakes. You know, if, if it's your job to copy, you know, type something from a document, if it's your, if it's your job to read, you know, something from the computer screen and type it out, you know, people people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So we can eliminate the human error here. You know, as as well. Vastly. So if you have, you know, if you know you're acquiring a company and you need to do due diligence on these assets, um, you know, again, being able to acquire that information to just to start the job, when you can when you can have a lot of confidence in how much time that is going to take, mm-hmm. and and be able to really nail that down, that's a huge variable to take off your plate. Right. Well, so, it really helps their numbers. To your point, 60% less than the overall cost is a mm-hmm. huge deal. Yep, yep, it definitely is. It definitely is. You know, and, and, and I think, obviously, we're going to have, you know, a big product of a lot of debt restructuring that went on in, you know, 2015, 16, oh, yeah. that, you know, it seems like... It's going to be so hard. <laughs> well, you know, and I guess from from what I know, from my perspective, it seems like that, that there was a lot of... A lot of assumptions made about, you know, oil is going to be back to 70, 80, 90, whatever. There was a headline day before yesterday said that, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that um, what we're going to find is, you know, like you said, consolidation, you know, voluntarily or not. Um, you know, I think we're going to have companies that that got in bad financial situations making those assumptions then that, um, you know, they're going to need to dramatically cut their costs if they're going to survive. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the company that's going to buy them that, you know, is going to have a due diligence period of 30, 45, 60 days, whatever. You know, if you have a massive asset, um, you just don't have time to, you don't have the ability to, to send in all the, you know, to hire 50 people and have them all run exactly. all this individual title themselves. It's going to be a huge deal, especially for like the new entrepreneurs that we're seeing in terms of like they've had layoffs, cool, they have experience, they're formulating together. Partnering with y'all could really be the difference in the capital backing. Yep. Yep, definitely, definitely. You know, so so it's going to have you know obviously the fundamental core aspect of, of the work being the title examination, understanding mm-hmm. how mineral titles transfers. Um, uh, you know, that's 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 a constant. That's never going away. Um, but being able to being able to provide a landman with the resources they need to do that job in mm-hmm. a more efficient manner, you know, cleaner manner than than before, is just. Um, uh, you know, is going to be of tremendous value to to many companies. So, um, I, you know, I, I look forward to uh, you know kind of sharing these these developments that we've had with other with other clients going forward. Um, uh, you know, you take Permian for example, and I think there are you know in excess of forty counties that are active down there in Permian right now <laughs> that have great online resources, and you know that that's you know the companies like uh, um, uh, Intervest. Um, you know that they're definitely doing a great job of, of this as well. But they're, you know, they're, it seems like they're more active down in Texas. You know, the field landman's job is, you know, it will always be hot and cold. It will always be ebb and fl- it will always ebb and flow. You know, I, I think hopefully more, more, uh, you know, more hot than cold. But but um, uh, and I think we'll see. You know, twenty percent of the people probably leave the industry in the next. That's fine. You know, the ne- you it know, sucks, you know, but it's fine. You no, know, it does. But you know, I think there are there are you know you've got people who are genuinely invested in 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 energy, in mineral title, mm-hmm. in mineral development, that kind of thing. And then, then you've got you've always the people who just kind of fell into it, right? Exactly. People that you know, and I, I certainly was one of those people who kind of fell into it. But you know, I think that yeah, but that there's a distinct difference there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. True. What should the industry be on the lookout for? What's going to happen in terms of land? What is it good? Is it bad? Is it great? Is it ugly? What do you What do you think's going to come? Uh, it, you know, I, I think like we're talking. about, I think you know this is so much of this is is going to be debt driven. Yeah. Regulatory. I don't regulatory think you're wrong. Wise, it's just n- nerve wracking. It's going to be you know it's going to be a constantly evolving world. And, you know, for a lot of people, you know that could be a good thing. I mean, from my perspective, when the you know when, as as the rules are developed in Wyoming or as they're developed in Colorado. You know, I want to be the I want to be the pro. I want to be the first person to to read that. I want to be able Hell to tell yeah. you, you know, like I want to do it like the back of my hand, so I can go to you as my client and say, well, look, here's the scenario. Now, here's what you know. Here's what you need to do, and here's I've already got these people who understand this, and we're going to get them out. We can we can mobilize them today, yeah, and they can they can address each of these new regulatory issues, but. You know the finance, uh, you know the, the, the finance side of things. You know you've got com- you know the, the smaller companies that were started or, or obtained financing or restructured financing um, after the 2015-16 you know, downturn that are not 
they're not we're not hitting the, the the commodity prices that they need to you know survive their the zombie you know, companies essentially the, yeah right 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 so you know I think they'll we'll see them hold on as much as possible but um, frankly they're going to have to you know they're they're going to have to make some decisions and and I think we'll see we'll see more bankruptcies you know I think we'll we'll have you know big companies will get bigger big companies will acquire more <laughs> I think um, you're right about that they are hovering right now yeah you know I, I think that. There may be some attention focused back on on uh, conventional operations. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need that steady player. No, that, that's and that's very true. I think that's very true. I think we're going to have the manpower available, um, the human capital available, to for for companies that, that may be focused on going back and looking at. It's time to uh, reinvest in the science, conviction. not just the money. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that conventional production. So, James, how do people get in touch with you? Well, uh, my email couldn't be easier. It's uh, james at discoveryland.com. We're, uh, we're downtown Denver here. Um, uh, we're not too difficult to find. So, uh, www.discoveryland.com. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. So. Well, before I let you go, what is a podcast, book, or other resource that you have found that has brought you value that you think industry needs to adopt? I just got done reading uh, Oil Legends of the Rockies by John P. Barton, which is so a really cool. great book. Uh, just the title know, sounds awesome. <laughs> it, and it really is great. You know, it kind of talks about the history of oil and gas development in the Rockies and then hones in on a few big players. Um, uh, Sam Gary, Bill Barrett, uh, Phil Anschutz, John King, and Tiger Mike Davis are all featured in the book. And then, and then it kind of That's jumps awesome. to um, uh, present day activities in the Rockies. So the so rising of the really new great. Titans. Yep. Yep. Awesome. But, you know, I, I think one of the most valuable things, uh, that, that I have read, you know, as far and it gets, gets back to, you know, managing people, you know, and, 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 uh, motivating personnel, you know, we were all aware of the, the, you know, the old Dale Carnegie book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Yeah. But they have a new, new, new ish, um, a uh, newish version called How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age. That is so appropriate for the oil field. It really is. It really is. You know, and, and again, you know, you get back to, you know, we're talking about, you know, interpersonal communication or impersonal communication, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is you know, almost a better way to describe the problem. You know, and, and, you know, they kind of talk about things like, hey, you know, take a second you know, in your email to say, hey, you know, hey, hope you have, hope you had a nice weekend. Exactly. Hope people are people. Nice start. Right. And, They're and, you know, just as stressed as you are. <laughs> and, and setting the tone, setting a positive tone. Um, uh, you know, in your communications with people, it's just it's a difference between you know getting what you want out of somebody and and struggling. Yeah, you know, and, and especially when you talk about like state and government, state federal government entities. You know, they they're you know these are people that you know notoriously. I think we a lot of times we think of them as doing the least they can not to lose their jobs. Yeah, and, we think and, of them as the enemy. And you know, in their defense, you know, they kind of get trampled on. Yeah, you know, a lot. Like they they have to deal with the greater public. They have to deal with you know wide variety of people. But you know, I think you know it's kind of like kind of like taking a box of donuts into the courthouse. You know, when you have to go work in there for you know for a few days. Think, Cupcakes you know, actually do go a long way. Well, that's the truth. That's the truth. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think that it, again, it just gets down to setting the tone for the conversation, setting the tone for your relationship with with somebody like that. Yeah, so I would highly recommend. You know, and, and it's not a long read; it's it's easy. You can get through it in in half a day. But I I, I would highly recommend that to anybody who 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 feels like that they're, you know, maybe their their management 
skills, or, you know, their, their handling of personnel could be improved yeah. a little bit. So. I think that is such a relevant topic for the oil field, especially with what we're going through right now being such a prolonged downturn. But, James, thank you so much for all the value you brought today. Thank you for taking the time, taking us through land. I love the case studies that we hit because I really think it's so relevant to what's coming for the rest of the 48. You are so knowledgeable, and you've hit all the topics I really want you to hit. But most importantly, you keep bringing it back to the importance of personnel. So thank you so much. I really just appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell.